what a great service we've had already, uh, but it's great to be together. You can be turning your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 5. Make sure this thing is turned on. Yep. Matthew chapter 5. You know, uh, we're taking a week off of our uh, superior series we've been doing out of the book of Hebrews and uh, talking about God as our Father today. The title of my lesson is Our Father. Uh, some of you who might have been Catholics, that might bring up certain memories. But it's, uh, our Father is a good thing, and we're going to be talking about that. But, uh, you know, being a dad, uh, I love being a dad. I've got three kids, uh, 13, 10, and 8, and they're going to change uh, ages here really soon, so I'm trying to kind of keep it straight in my mind. But anyway, uh, I can't believe it's been about 15 years now since we first started uh, trying to uh, get pregnant. And um, we've been married about five years. I got, got married when I was 22. My wife was 23. And uh, we spent about five years together. And then we thought it was uh, about time. Well, she thought it was about time to start having kids. And I was kind of like, I'm not ready for that. You know, we lived in this little apartment by the beach and had, you know, kind of our life. It was fun. We could stay out as late as we want. Because we dated for three years before we were Christians. And we really tried to have a pure relationship so then when we got married, it was fun because we could stay out all as late as we wanted, do whatever we wanted. We're married now. You know, we had a fun time. We lived by the beach. It was like a great lifestyle. It's like, oh, man, we bring in kids. You know, we got to move. We got to figure all that out. It's just kind of like, I'm not ready. But uh, I remember going, okay, I'm going to pray about it. And then I kind of got ready. And I figured, well, at least you get nine months to really get ready. If, um, but uh, then we got pregnant, and, uh, you know, it, it was exciting, and, and we couldn't believe it. We tried for quite a while, and uh, we wasn't working for a while, so she went to see a, a specialist and that kind of thing. And, and finally we got pregnant. We were so excited. And then um, we went for the first ultrasound, and uh, the, 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 the doctor, the ultrasound technician looked, and then she kind of went out of the room. We're like, what's going on? And the doctor came in and looked, and the doctor said, I'm sorry, there's, there's nothing there. And like it was the baby didn't really form. And, uh, you know, it was, I just remember, you know, being in that little room and, and the doctor was just kind of matter of fact about it. You know, she probably dealt with this all the time. But for us, it was like, this is everything. You know, we've been trying for a couple years now to have a baby. We were pregnant. Now it's, you know, it didn't. And so my wife had to have a DNC and all that. And I just remember so much emotion with all of that. And uh, and we just didn't. I remember feeling like, what what if we never are able to have a, a child? And. I know many of us in the audience have gone through that or you've experienced those types of emotions. And, uh, uh, but, but then, you know, we were able to get pregnant again, uh, not that much later. And uh, uh, I remember hearing the heartbeat for the first time. You know, you go in and, and they have this little uh, metal thing they put on, on, the, on your tummy and, and it's like this little... You guys heard that? Remember that? It's like, wow, that's the heartbeat. I couldn't remember that. that is, I remember feeling like there's a living thing in there. It's incredible. And then, of course, uh, the baby develops and starts moving. And, you know, before we had kids, I thought that, like, feeling the baby move was kind of a rare occurrence. Like, you might happen to experience it or something. But I, I didn't realize that it's like an alien in there. It's just like always, you know, you know, there's a leg and there's an elbow. And it's, it's, it's incredible, you know. And then uh, we, I remember uh, uh, my wife uh, was, was full term. She was ready to go. This is a picture of her. This is on our way to the hospital. And, uh, you know, she's kind of like, oh, here we go. We were, we were celebrating my birthday. And uh, I was on the phone. She'd made this dinner for me for my birthday. My birthday is March 18th. My uh, son was born on March 19th. So it's March 18th. We're, we're celebrating my birthday. And, uh, 
she gets on the phone because I was on the phone with my sisters and she gets on the phone. She's like, Brian, my water just broke. I'm like, okay, <laughs> bye, bye, bye. I'm going to have to get off the phone. We went to the hospital and uh, it was 24 hours later. She ended up having to have an emergency C-section and he came out and uh, that's right after he came out. And um, I, I just will never forget just because, you know, you have nine months prepared. You know, there's a baby in there. But when when he when it comes out, it's still like that's a human being. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, a real person. I don't know. I, I don't know what I expected, but it's just kind of it's like that is a real living, breathing person. And uh, just remember that feeling of, of being a dad for the first time and them saying, oh, who's the father? And, oh, that's me. I'm the father, you know. And uh, that feeling of being a dad, this is uh, me with him there. I look like I'm about 18 years old. I'm actually almost 30 there, but. Uh, here's a really goofy picture of me playing guitar to him when he was though that's little Jameson he's just, he thir- turned 13 but you know there's a lot of emotions of all involved with this this is the kids now a uh, recent picture of them our, our three three kids but there's a lot of uh, this whole fa- process of fatherhood and sonship and being a child yourself and having children and and uh, is very profound you know emotions run really deep with this stuff I mean I don't know about you, but man, that was a tearful song, you know, being able to, watching Andre and, and uh, Mika up here and hearing her song, man, I was just, whew, you know what I mean? The emotions run deep with this stuff. I mean, whether you had a great dad or whether your dad wasn't around at all, you know, it, 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 or we all were kids of a, of a dad, and whether you're a great dad now or you, you're like, man, I'm really trying to, to, pull, to, to hold it together as a dad, I'm having a hard time, whatever, it, it's still, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of uh, of uh, there's some some profound deep spiritual things there, and it's interesting that Jesus, as he comes to Earth, he chose to use this relationship, use this this idea of a father as really a, the proper understanding of who God is, and, and so that's something we can all understand. It, it might be hard for you based on what your relationship was like with your dad or whatever, but. But we all, we all, it's something we can all see. You know, we all know what a great dad looks like, even if we didn't have one, right? And it's something that Jesus chose to go, this is who God really is. And so we're going to be looking at that together here in Matthew 6. Uh, and, and this was revolutionary by Jesus' teachings. Up to this point, people didn't see God this way. That, that, you might not know that, but this was totally new, that, that God is our Father. That was a new idea, a revolutionary idea that Jesus presented. Uh, point number one, our Father is upstairs. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Let's all turn there. Matthew chapter 5. Get there myself. Uh, you know, up until this point, as I mentioned, uh, people saw God as the Creator, as this being. And, and, and really, He stood apart from the other gods. You know, men have always worshipped gods. And early on in, in religion, they worshipped many gods. They, they thought that, okay, there's a God of the sun and there's a God of the trees and there's a God of this and that. They understood all these forces of nature. They understood there's something beyond ourselves. And they understood they were dependent on those things. And so they would worship these gods. But often they saw the gods as people like us that were wrathful, that were, uh, that, 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 uh, that were evil and, and that had to be appeased. And so, so much of, of early religion was just about trying to get the God not to be mad at you or trying to get the God to, you know, trying to, Trying to, to, to get the God to do what you want through certain rituals that would kind of force the God to do what you wanted or, or through a, a, a sacrifice or an appeal to, to, to try to get the God to not be angry with you. And then uh, God of Israel, the, the true God, 
is, is worshipped by different men. The first man we really, we see Job. Job was a contemporary of, of Abraham, not part of the Jewish tradition. But we see Job's relationship with God. We see there was other probably godly men like that. Noah, of course. But we see Abraham and Abraham's relationship with God and, and, uh, and his understanding, his interaction with God. And then, and then we come to Moses. And Moses is the first one that God says, I'm going to let you know what my name is. Because Moses says, who should I say sent me? When I come to tell the Israelites that, that God has, has sent me, who should I say? And, and God gives them the name. It's called the Tetragamon. It's four, four letters, Y-H-W-H. It can be pronounced Yahweh, but it, it, it's, it's like the Hebrew for I am. And so God says, that's my name. Just tell them I am sent you. I am. You know, that's who God is. He's the creator God. He's always been. He always was. He always will be. I am. And so that, that was a new understanding of God. That, that God, it, it, we could know his name. And so in, in, when you're reading the Old Testament, anytime it says Lord in all caps or kind of little small caps, what's in the Hebrew is that name, Y-H-W-H. It, it's God's proper name, I am. But then Jesus comes, and uh, we're going to pick up, he comes as God as a person, and he's revealing who God really is. And let's pick it up here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Uh, just a little background on Matthew. Background on Matthew real quick. Matthew was a tax collector that was one of Jesus' followers that, that Jesus called. And he was known as a collector of Jesus' sayings. So he probably, uh, you know, as Jesus would say different things, as he would give different teachings, he would kind of collect all those. And then he eventually put them together in this book of Matthew. So there's a collection of a lot of Jesus' sayings in, in, in Matthew 5, uh, 6, and 7. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. He might have not necessarily delivered all these teachings Right at the same time, or these are probably things he said a lot. You know how when you're with somebody who's a great teacher, they say the same things a lot. And you hear the same things over and over. And so these were things that, that Matthew heard Jesus saying over and over. These are things that his disciples heard him impressing on them. In verse 43, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are it not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what have you what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. God is Jesus is trying to get people to understand there that God is our Father, and He's He's up there and He's He's watching us. And he wants us to be like him. And this is the hardest, uh, has to be the hardest commandment in the Bible. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I don't know about you, but I've blown that already today. And, uh, you know, it, it is hard. It is a hard thing that Jesus said he wanted us to be. But there's this idea of trying to imitate God's love for people. Trying to understand who God is and, and, and believing that he is there. And, and we can be like him. Uh, little kids all want to be like their dad, you know, for good or bad. You know, when you become a parent, you see them imitating you in different ways. And, uh, you know, it, it's so cool when you when you see when you have a good friend and then you haven't seen him for a while. And then you see them and you see their kid and their kid looks like them and, and you, you see their mannerisms. It's so cool that that's how we're supposed to be with God. He says, do this. Love your enemies. Don't don't don't. Uh, do wrong for wrong, so that you can be children of your Father in heaven. Verse 45, that you may be children of your Father. When you, when you show love for people that show hatred for you, you are imitating your dad in heaven. I want to show you a few pictures from the 
father-daughter dance. See, look at that look. She's just looking, going, I want to be like Daddy. Here's a few other pictures. There's more on, uh, on our Facebook uh, website if you uh, want to see more. Oops, sorry, I didn't give that one enough time. Here, let's go back. Give proper time. The click went too fast. <laughs> Clay. Clay is kind of sour nowadays. What, 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 can you imagine when Clay's like 70? He'd be like, right. <laughs> <laughs> He loves being sour, though. Uh, yeah, we we love we love that that father daughter uh, relationship, and we love we love da- you know that dad uh, the image of the perfect dad, and that's who Jesus is saying dad God is God is our father. He's a dad. He's chosen us. He's saying be like dad. Don't don't do wrong to those who do uh, wrong to you. It, it, everybody does it. Don't just do good to people who do good to you. Everybody can do that. Be like God. And any, anybody who has multiple kids, you know, you, you you develop that situation. We were just uh, we were staying at a hotel for a couple nights this week because our house was being fumigated. And that's a whole long story. I'll say for some other time. But uh, so we had to get into a hotel. So all, we're, we've got all of us in this little bitty room. You know, we we. It was kind of one of those where we got a rollaway bed and then the rollaway bed wouldn't even fit in there. We're trying to figure it out. So all of us together in this little space. And you know you have those situations of, he, he threw water on me. Well, he threw water on me. Well, he, he, he flicked my bottom. Well, he did this. Well, he did that. You know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you just, stop it. Will someone stop it, please? And that's the situation with us human beings. You know, we, 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 we do to each other and, and back and forth and back. Or married couples, back and forth and back and Jesus is saying, just stop it. Somebody does something to you, just let it go. Be like God. And you're like God when you treat others the way God treats others. When you, when you love people the way God loves. Be conscious of God. Number two, he knows and he cares. Matthew 6, let's keep reading here in verse 1. Our, dad, our father is upstairs. He knows and he cares. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. You know, there's this picture Jesus gives of a father who's wanting to reward us. He's wanting to bless us. He's not wanting to punish us. He's not just waiting to see us fall and and, and trip up and stumble. He wants to give us things. He wants to reward us. In in another passage, uh, Jesus says, you guys... Those of you who are fathers, if your son asks you for bread, you're not going to give him a snake. You know, if he asks you for some soup, you're not going to go, here you go, here's a stone. You know, you, you're going to give him what he needs. You're going to give him what he wants. And you guys are evil. 
If you guys are evil, and you, you're, uh, how much more God is he going to be a loving father? And does he want to reward us and want to bless us? You know, he's looking to see us do well. Uh, one, of, one of my kids was having a hard time with, with being nice to the others and uh, kept uh, being rude. And, and it was not changing, not changing, not changing. So we finally said, we're going to take his or her iPod away until he or she starts, being, starts talking kindly. And so, uh, you know, we were looking to reward. You know, we were watching, and, and I remember talking to him or her and going, you know, okay, here's a situation where you have the opportunity to really speak kindly. Here's what you might try to say. And I'm going to be watching, and I want to, I want to give you your iPod back. I really do. And, and that's how God is. He's wanting to reward us. He's watching it. And Jesus is saying, what, what you do should not be about pleasing people. It should be about pleasing God. I appreciate what uh, Justin had to say. High school and high school is difficult because it's so much about pleasing people and, and consumed with what other people think of you. And just constantly, I remember I became a Christian in high school, and I remember having to deny that thought because it's constantly in your mind. What do they think of me? What do they think of me? What do they think of me? Well, how do I look right now here? How do I look here? You know, and just constantly going, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? I just got to care about God. And that's what Jesus is saying. He sees. He knows. He cares. He knows what's done in secret. And he wants to reward you. And he uses this analogy that I I think Jesus used humor a lot, probably, because the crowds love to be around him, that people love to listen to him. Uh, some of the things he said that were probably really funny, we don't necessarily get nowadays. But he says something kind of funny. He says, you know, you guys, when you give, you know, you, you like to, let me show you a demonstration. You like to announce it with, uh, with trumpets. This is my son's trombone here. And, uh, you know, they knew what that was like. He's like, you guys are like this. You're like, oh, this thing's broken. Here, let me, there we go, that'll be better. This thing's. This is a really cheap trombone we bought. I just gave to the poor. I just shared my faith. I just had a quiet time. You know, and we like to try to try to. Sh- Show everybody else what we're doing spiritually. And he said, don't do that. Just do things quietly and God will see you. God will reward you. And we've got to be like that as Christians. How we're living is not about what other people see. It's about what God sees. God sees. He knows. He cares. Choose to do good in secret. Amen? Choose to live your life in such a way that you're conscious of God. I really appreciate all that's done in secret in this congregation. I mean, there are, there are people that you don't know that come here super early. They get here at 7.30 every Sunday to get everything set up for us to come in at, at 9.45, right? And then they stay a couple hours later, packing everything away. I mean, week after week after week after week. There's so much that's done for our children's ministry in secret. People doing a lot for our kids that we benefit from. I mean, the least we can do is when we're asked to, to serve is go, yes, I'd love to teach the kids. Tell me where to be and when. But, you know, there, there's, uh, there, I really appreciate all that's being done for the poor and so many people that have such a heart for the poor to, to, to serve those in foster care, to, to help the, at the food bank, to, to, uh, to, to meet the needs and, and try to, to give some life to these, uh, these seniors that have dementia and their, their life is kind of, you know, people don't visit them that much, and it's kind of sad, you know, to come there with your dog. And, I mean, 
people are trying to serve, and I really appreciate it. And the point Jesus is saying is God knows, and he cares, and he sees what's done in secret. Think of new ways that you can serve. Think of things that you can do in secret. Visit the the uh, table, the community table. And when you go to the secret, the community table, do it in secret or kind of don't bring your trumpet and go, I'm going to the community table now. But, you know, just kind of quietly serve. That's what God is, is looking for. Amen. Number three, he's always there. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 5. says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to who? Your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. And he gives this prayer uh, known as the Our Father Prayer. And we're going to go through this here in a, in a minute. But Jesus says, gives this picture of going into your room, closing the door. What's he saying? I don't think he's saying that you have to every time have a prayer time in your room. But he's saying just get away and be with God, kind of away from distractions, away from the noise, away from all the hubbub of life, and just get with you and God alone. And he's there. He's always there for you. And we see the example with Jesus. It says, many times early in the morning, he often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. Uh, there's other times he dismissed the crowd, and he, and he told his followers, go on ahead of me. i got to go up on the mountain. i got to get some time with the Father. And that, that, that is an amazing thing, that God, the creator of all the universe, Yahweh, I am, that he wants to hear from you and me in, in our quiet room with the door closed? Isn't that so cool that God wants a relationship with us? That God wants to be heard. That he wants us to, to call on him. And he says, don't, don't just babble like pagans, verse 7. Don't keep babbling like pagans. They think we'll be heard for their many words. Prayer is not supposed to be ritualistic and just, just saying the same thing over and over again. I mean, it, it's kind of ironic that this prayer Jesus gives us an example of how to pray you know, became this ritual where you just say it without even engaging your mind. And that's exactly what he was saying not to do. Don't just say a bunch of words. Just give your heart to God. He already knows what you need before you even ask. You could say, well, why do I need to ask then? I don't know. Jesus said to, though. You say, well, I don't need to have a prayer time because he already knows what I need, so he should just do it for me. Well, Jesus said to ask him. And it builds our faith because you ask God, and you see him work, and then, and then you go, oh, wow, God. and you build your relationship with God. You need that dialogue. Those of us who are parents, don't we want that dialogue with our kids? Don't we want them to, to, to let us know what's going on in their lives? Uh, we want, you know, I, I remember just many times that drive home from school. You know, how, how was school today? Good. What happened? I don't know. <laughs> Anything new? Anything interesting? No. So, you know, it's just hard, you know, but you want to hear and I kind of learned different things to kind of get them to talk a little bit more. And sports is good, you know, shooting hoops or something or whatever. But, but uh, you know, we want that dialogue, and God wants that with us. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, if you can't if you if you have a busy life and you and you can't figure out how to get time away with God or whatever. I want to encourage you to get a prayer journal. This is one of my prayer journals from college. 
And my girlfriend, Dessa, gave this to me. It's covered with all these frogs. I thought it was really cool. And uh, I used to have a, I, I was really busy in school. I was going to school full time and I was working, I was working as a manager of this recording studio on campus. And so I had to be in this room where people would check out equipment and, and then bring it back and keep track of all the equipment. So I had to sit there, you know, a lot of times I'd be sitting there for many hours as people would come and go. And so I had my prayer journal and th- this would be like my time with God. I couldn't go anywhere. It's hard to, I couldn't like sit and pray out loud, but I could write in my journal. And if you've never done that before, writing a prayer is really cool because it, it focuses your thoughts. And, and, and you can, you know, you can, even if you're like at a Starbucks where there's music and there's people and talking, if you start to write in your prayer journal, you can really focus on your prayer with God. And uh, I was just reading in this a little bit. It also kind of gives you a, a, a snapshot back into to what you were going through. And uh, like, like this prayer here. It says, Father, I'm so frustrated. And see the big letters? I don't know what I'm supposed to make. I don't know how I'm supposed to make all this work. These papers, the walkathon, John doing bad, my family group, Tommy leading everything. Ugh! There's this big, ugh. I feel totally unbelieved in it, yet I'm so strapped by school, I can't do anything about it. I'm totally stressed. I feel like being rebellious and critical in my heart. I don't feel like I'm leading or shepherding people. I don't have any best friends. I'm just generally unhappy right now. Please help me just to trust in you. I know you're in control of everything. You know my heart and every situation. Thank you that I can always give all my worries and fears to you. Help me to have confidence in you alone, not my talents or history or spiritual age or anything worthless or stupid like that. I can't do anything without you and only what you use me to do. How foolish to think that if I had more time, I could make things happen. Big old I, bold. Who am I? What is my life? I'm just a heap of dust. I'm pond scum. I don't even remotely deserve to be your son, much less to get to be a leader in your kingdom. You know, I don't remember what I was going through at all. I mean, I kind of remember this Tommy. Yeah, he was like a young Christian that, you know, he was kind of the shining star. and He got all the attention and got to lead everything. I think that's what this is about. But I must have been stressed out in school. I must have, I mean, I say papers. I must have had a lot going on. I don't even remember. But, but you know, and I just poured out my heart to God. And you know what? what God, God answers those prayers. You feel a lot better. Uh, you can tell even in that prayer, I kind of started to seem a little better by the end. Here's the next page. Father, you know what a hard time this is right now. Last week especially, I really feel like I'm being tested. It's just been really hard at times, but I know that testing is good. Please help me to be humble. Take away my anxiety. Teach me to fully rely on you alone. I need you so desperately, God. Be near me. Thank you so much for my salvation. Thank you for our relationship. It's all that matters. I love you so much, God. Thank you for all that you've given me. Thank you for refining and testing me to make me great. Doing a little better than that one, it seems like. Yeah. Okay, there's one more. I'll read it. This is the next page. Lord, please be near me. I feel so far from you today. I feel like nothing I do is effective because you aren't with me. I feel scared, naked, and alone. I feel confused. I really want to change because of last night. No idea what that was, but... I really want to be like Christ. Please just be near me. Let me feel the presence of your Holy Spirit. Let me feel that you're real and here with me. Let me feel that you believe in me and are on my side. Let me understand I can do anything with you. I want so much to please you, Father. Help me to stand up and be stronger. I know I don't deserve anything I've been given. I feel so lame. I know I should be so much more for you. I'm so tired of saying that over and over. I feel Satan does, does have a foothold on me. Help me to fight. I really do want to pour myself to other people to show people who you are and offer them incredible life you've given me. I've just been so choked the last month. It stinks. Oh, how I want to do things differently, but help me to understand that the blood of your son cleanses me. 
If I repent and start over, you totally forgive all the past junk. I'm sorry for this semester not being fruitful, not being focused on your purpose for me, being a coward and not leading spiritually. Well, I think it pulled up, you know. But this is what you see in the scriptures. I mean, you see David in his heart for God. You see Jesus. It says Jesus was heard because of his loud cries and tears in his life on earth. Jesus showed us the example of calling on God. He's our Father. He wants to help us. He cares for us. He's always there. But it's too bad that we just don't take enough opportunity. So often we just don't call on him. I want to break down this prayer here for a second, and then, uh, then we'll wrap things up. This prayer here in Matthew 6 that he gives us as an example, and I want to give you an assignment. Uh, I want you to memorize this prayer. Now, if you're a Catholic, you're good. You already got it memorized. If you're not, I want you to memorize this. Why? Because, you know, how many of you are followers of Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay. And you know, he said to do what he says, right? Okay. Well, he says in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. So I think we ought to have this prayer in our arsenal. We should use this prayer. And this prayer has really helped me a lot in, in my relationship with God, just going through this. And so he starts off by saying, our Father in heaven. You know, all the things we've been talking about today, just recognizing God is our Father. And He's in heaven. He has a different perspective than we are. So you can just start with praying about that, trying to trying to open your eyes to God and who God is. God, I know you're in heaven right now. I know that you see all things. I know that you know what I'm going through. I know that you understand. I know you're my Father. You know, calling on God as our Father. Number The second part, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy, set apart. Uh, God lives in inapproachable light, the Bible says. He's pure. He's righteous. I don't think our relationship with our Father is supposed to be this super cash one, like, yo, what's up, Father God? You know, like, how's it, you know, how's it hanging? And he's like your bro, or, you know, your buddy. He's, he's, he's the creator still. He's our dad, but he's the creator. So, you know, you've got to show some respect to Father God. So, hallowed be your name. You know, I think there you, for me, I like to just praise God, talk about his creation, talk about how he's always been, talk about what he's done in the past, talk about what he's doing in the future. His name, you know, the name is Yahweh. I am. That's his name, and it's holy. God is holy. Just pray, starting your prayer off by praising God, a lot of times right there your heart will change. If you just just enter God's presence and you just reflect for a little bit on who he is and what he's done. Your kingdom come. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the, he's the king who was to come, prophesied about in all the Old Testament, that this king would come and establish an eternal kingdom that would never be destroyed. And what, what was that all about that was about jesus's followers the church we are his kingdom on earth and there's something about the kingdom where it's already here but not yet and that's another lesson but the kingdom is already here but not yet and a lot of jesus is teaching so the kingdom is here in among us but it's also not yet in that we're on our way somewhere we're on our way to heaven and and your kingdom come your kingdom come to other people you know i like to pray about God, may your kingdom come to this neighborhood or, or the, this family at, at the kids' school. Or may your kingdom come to the South Bay. Help us to have impact here. Help, may your kingdom come. You know, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven the next thing. That's how God's kingdom comes. Because we in his kingdom are those who are doing God's will. And, and I'll pray there about God, help me to do your will. Help me to see what you want accomplished in my life. You know, it's your will, not my will be done. And, and, and just... Uh, talking about that to God. God, may your will be done in this situation. 
Just as this is in heaven, I know the angels follow you. I know the angels do what you want. Help us as your people to do what you want. Help us to, to, to see your will accomplished. Then he says, give us today our daily bread. So you see, there's a little bit that leads up to what you're really feeling. There's a little bit that leads up to, okay, here's what it is. Here's what I need today. And he says, our daily bread. In other words, every day is a new day. Don't you wish, excuse me, don't you wish that spirituality kind of carried over to the next day? I mean, sometimes I'll be feeling like I'm having a great spiritual day and everything's, I mean, you know, everything is falling in sync and I'm feeling close to God and, and you know, you go to bed, you know, you're feeling great, you go to bed with a prayer, reading the scripture, you wake up the next morning, it's like, oh, you got to start all over, you know? For some reason, God made days like that. Every day is a new day, and you've got new challenges and new uh, things to, to worry about. So our daily bread, it's not just what you need to eat, although if you really don't know what you're going to eat that day, that's a good thing to pray about. But, but I pray about what do I have on tap today? What's, what's my daily bread today? Here's what I need today, God. I need energy. I need discernment. I need wisdom. I've got this appointment. I've got that appointment. I've got this to f- figure out. I've got this to... You know what I'm saying? Just... Pray about your day. Give me what I need today, God. But you've already praised him. You've already tried to put your mindset into what's his will. And now you're getting into what you need. Forgive us our sins. You know, it's a great thing to, to, to just empty yourself of whatever you need to confess to God. The Bible says confess your sins and he will forgive you. That's a promise that we can hold on to. Jesus' blood cleanses us of sin. So confess your sins. God, here's what I've done today. Here's what I've done this week. You know my heart. You know, let me get this off my chest. Uh, as we forgive anyone who sins against us, letting go of bitterness is, is to be a daily thing. That as you're praying to God every day, you're saying this prayer, you're, you're going through this kind of outline, you're letting go of stuff. And, and Jesus says, if you're praying and you realize you've got a, a relationship issue, just leave your, your gift there at the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. God wants, doesn't want any unreconciled things in the fellowship. And bitterness will kill your soul. I mean, it says it's a bitter root. Somebody told me one time, bitterness is the poison you drink hoping the other person will die. Because it only hurts you. Oh, I'm so bitter. <laughs> you know, you got to let go of that every day. Uh, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, pray about what you have that day. Pray that God will deliver you from temptation. Pray about your, you know, specific challenges at work or at school or in, in your situation. I mean, this prayer right here, just going through this outline, I mean, this is a 30-minute prayer. You know, if you really kind of go through it all. And so I want you to memorize this this week, and I want you to pray through this prayer this week like that. Just give it a try. You don't have to do it every day for the rest of your life. But again, Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. So if we're his followers, we ought to obey what he says to do, right? Will you guys do that this week? And, uh, you know, God is uh, our father. He's, he's there. Our father's upstairs. He knows and he cares. He's always there. He wants to hear us. He wants to bless us. Let's appreciate the loving father that we all share. Happy Father's Day, God. Amen.